Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to My Song Suck, the show where we listen to bad songs from good writers. I'm Alex Smith and I'm a musician. I'm James Keogh and I'm the friend of a musician. Let's get started. Welcome to episode four of My Song Suck. We're here today with a special guest, season two. Oh, season two. Yeah, sorry, I should have specified. <laughs> um, we're here with uh, Zane uh, C. Weber again, obviously, our producer. I'm the friend of a musician today. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we also have a very special guest in the studio. We have Emma Dean, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Oh, hello. I'm Emma Dean. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, uh, and we don't have James here today, unfortunately. We don't. We are we we're recording outside our regular schedule because we really wanted to talk to Emma. We did. We really, really wanted to. And she's very busy. Mm. Very busy. And so and so we're recording, unfortunately, without James. Yeah. And he's uh he's away doing James things. <laughs> yeah, busy doing fun stuff, probably. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, so I have like a list here of just like a list of incredible things you've done I was going to pop off I didn't know whether I would that be okay could I <laughs> I, I totally give you permission oh. to, to do that Alex wonderful <laughs> so I, I was I was doing my research as I do before I interview a guest and I was like oh and I can say that she recently did this but like you're always doing things you, you recently mm. sang you're the voice at the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony which is wild um <laughs> you you've had your broken romantics uh a unicorn's quest for love which you toured I believe to Edinburgh Fringe, mm. which is wild and awesome. Uh, and before that, there was Woodford Folk Festival. And before that, just always things. And even in the studio, I was like, oh, this episode will be coming out in March. Um, have you got anything around then? And you're like, yeah, I've got this, 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 <laughs> and this. Just all the things in the entire world, which is oh. awesome. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, it's a, bu- it's a busy life, isn't mm. it? Mm. It's crazy, but I love it. Mm. I do. I love creating. Yeah. So you've brought uh, a song to us today. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, I have. I can't believe I'm doing this. Every every time, every time a guest comes into the studio and we go like, "Welcome, how you going? You're doing a lot of great stuff." And then you go, "So you brought a song," and their eyes just go wide, and they're like, "I forgot oh, what I was doing." I know, right? It's such a vulnerable thing because, you know, not really anyone has heard this song. This this is yeah. I keep this on a. Scoop. It was still on a seat. I didn't even have a digital version of Ooh. this song. I just kind of have one CD remaining of this demo that I did when I was 17. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> I hope you feel special, you two. I hope, I hope also <laughs> that the audience, we feel very special. <laughs> I hope that the audience can uh, appreciate, uh, because, like, you're, you're kind of a couple steps up from uh, the, the level that we've been of guests that we've been speaking to at the moment. We've been talking to a lot of friends and like kind of bands. In the yeah, season two. We're kicking it up. I yeah, think. we're kicking it up. We're going to get Nickelback on. We're going to do it. All right. Oh Nickelback, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> I know you are. Um, yeah, and so you're very established. I, I tend to get starstruck. I've been this starstruck since we had Chasing Velvet. 
<laughs> and I was like, um, oh. songs. But, um, oh. <laughs> no, but this is a, uh, yeah. So you're all very lucky. Audience, oh. but also, uh, also, or maybe unlucky. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. Even if it is bad, it, it serves to illustrate that you got to start somewhere. Absolutely. And even if you're starting, well, when you're starting, when you're 17, like you very rarely start well before that. That, yeah, that's yeah. right. That is so right. Actually, I did start before that and I couldn't find, I had a band called Halo when I was like 13 or 14. Is it though? Is it a good name? <laughs> I think I'm not it is, sure. if you live up to it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we did live up to it. But um, our first ever gig, my first ever gig was at the Boondle Entertainment Centre before the Rocker Stedford Challenge and wow, um, in front of like, gig. you know, many thousands of people. It's Jeez. been downhill <laughs> ever since. Oh, damn. But, um, so yeah. were you writing all the songs for Halo or was it a group did, effort? Yeah, I think I did write most of the songs for Halo. Um, we had, yeah, instru- we had like strings and piano and bass guitar and a drummer who I think we just kind of threw in the deep end. She wasn't really a drummer, <laughs> but we said, here, here's a drum kit, do it. Um, but you're so right in saying, you know, you just have to start somewhere. How else are you going to learn? Absolutely, absolutely. There's no perfect time. I feel as though you may have uh, somehow cheated the system of the podcast because I feel like your first band played for this enormous crowd. I think you've skipped the being bad part. I think you just oh, were great. I didn't say it wasn't bad. <laughs> I just said there were, there were lots of people there and we didn't win the competition anyway. So. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, then I guess you qualify for my song, <laughs> yeah. Suck, then. That, you're exactly <laughs> right. If you've ever lost a competition, you get to come on the show. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything that you'd like us to know? Uh, before we listen to the song, oh. we're like, now bear in mind. Like, yes, yes, definitely, mm. yes. Mm. Um, so this this song was um, part of my first, shall we say, album. I, I like to think of it as more of a demo mm. album um, called Destination. And um, my dad recorded this for me on his four-track mini-disc <laughs> player. So this was a long time ago. And um, he was so amazing. He was and is my sort of biggest supporter. Shout out to um, dad. But he was, he, was a, he was tough on me. I had to generally do things in one take. So Ooh. I had to, yeah, which it just doesn't happen anymore or ever. I don't, yeah. I think it was just particularly <laughs> tough. So I used to have to practice, practice, practice. And then if I didn't get it in one take, he'd sort of be like, mm, Emma, you haven't been practicing. But it was because he cared so much and he wanted it to be a great product. But, um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And so I played, I think this song has me on the violin, the mandolin, because I used to be in a, mandolin orchestra with my dad it was me my dad and a bunch of like 70 year olds and how I was many like mandolins are in a mandolin so orchestra. many mandolins playing like italian folk music right. it was very random so I, I was playing that and i think piano as well and my brother who is now my musical collaborator mm. had just started learning the drums and he's on drum kit. Um, and I think my boyfriend at the time, Tom Hinchliffe, is on fretless bass guitar. And um, the song is about, I won't go into it too much before we listen to it, but it's about my experience working at a modelling agency. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. 
Universal models, Universal can, I models can I help you? Universal models, Universal models, can, Universal I models can I help you? Universal models, <laughs> that was Universal models. Gotta, gotta, get out, gotta, gotta. <laughs> How do you feel? Oh my God, I feel like I'm naked right now. <laughs> but I feel good. I feel good. It's like very theatrical. Very theatrical. Very theatrical. Yeah, it was it was so interesting listening to that track because I feel like we put all of the things that we had just learned, like as an example, like a drum roll, like mm. we just put it all in the one song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just learned how to drum roll. I'll do it for 15 seconds. <laughs> uh, but no, I feel good. Thank you for helping me <laughs> with oh, this. You're welcome. That's what we're here for, therapy, my song suck therapy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really like this song. Oh, thank you. It like, it goes off. Oh. <laughs> like it, it's very <laughs> groovy. And also like you mentioned, you mentioned that it was a four track yeah. CD. Mini disc. Mini disc. Yeah, play, um, recorder. Mm. So we would have to, if I remember correctly, like we do, you know, four tracks and then dad would have to bounce those four tracks. He'd have to mix them as we went, yeah. bounce them onto the one track and mm. then we'd have three tracks spare. Dad is just amazing. I just have to say, and, you know, the fact that he sort of um, instilled that like preparation mm. Um, yeah. in me and I think it's it's kind of really helped me along my journey and just to, to give up his Saturday mornings, pretty much every Saturday morning or Sunday morning, I can't remember, to do that is just, it kind of blows my mind. Well, yeah. well obviously your dad sounds like a, a music lover. I imagine he is. If, if your if your children were into music, that'd be like the best way to spend your oh, Saturday morning. Totally. Right? And dad dad actually started was one of the men that started for MBS Classic FM. Oh, so cool. the radio yeah. station. Yeah, back cool. in the I think the seventies. So mm. he's a music lover, he's a musician himself. And um yeah, he was a radio DJ. So That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, you said that your your brother is now an uh, a, a Brisbane drummer and, yeah. and you're obviously having having your success so he must be proud of what he did oh I think I think he is really proud um and it's just I mean I feel so lucky to have grown up in a family who really appreciate the arts I think so many people are not so lucky and they have to sort of convince their parents that what yeah. they're doing is worthy but mum and dad always encouraged us to pursue yeah, absolutely. music it's pretty awesome and I think that um you, yeah, you and your brother are kind of a testament to what can happen if the whole family unit are on the same page artistically. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, I, yeah, I really enjoy how you were mentioning about like how how your dad would like bounce the tracks to clear up uh, the other three. Yeah. Like that's very. That makes me think of Queen. Oh my god! Totally. They'd have like a million tracks and then like <laughs> keep bouncing it. And exactly. Keep bouncing it. I mean, it's a similar thing. And I guess like Freddie Mercury. I was just listening to Queen the other day, thinking how phenomenal those vocal takes yeah. are. You know, like he would have the, the editing. Uh, I guess what was available in regards mm. to editing music is so limited mm. back then in comparison to nowadays and how prepared and like on the money you'd have to be with all of those vocal takes. It's pretty awesome yeah you'd have to like before you even started you have to be like all right so we want this and like plan it all out and <laughs> that's very totally, cool totally yeah yeah <laughs> so so you you strike me from this song and obviously where you are now you strike me as someone mm. who has uh, a theater background were you doing theater at this time when oh, you so my journey i 
I started off as a classical violinist mm. um, and started like learning music very, very young. Mm. And so classical violin was always kind of my thing. And then when I hit maybe 14, 13, 14, I, I, I must have picked up dad's guitar. He's a guitarist mm. and started writing songs. I was really shy, really unsure of myself. Um, and it was sort of my way of, it's like a little diary entry writing songs, yeah. kind of lock myself away in my bedroom. And then I, so, you know, I had this classical upbringing and then I got really interested in pop music. And then I had a really rough time in grade 12 um, and sort of ended up in in hospital and was kind of really ready to, to quit school altogether. And when I finally returned to school, my beautiful music teacher, Narelle McCoy, hello Narelle, um, she she said, look, we're doing a school musical and um, it's Little Shop of Horrors and we have not found our Audrey yet. <laughs> and your eyebrows are perfect for the role. <laughs> I, re- I had very heavily plucked 90s eyebrows that kind of turned the wrong way. So I just looked always like surprised or um and a little bit sad. So, perfect so for Audrey. I know, like perfect for Audrey. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and so she auditioned me and I got the role mm. and then my life was changed forever. I got a real taste of the, the theatre world. Mm. Um, and But I didn't really know what to do with it. And then some, so that kind of, you know, it opened up a few doors, but then um, I, I fell into the world of jazz music, which is a whole other story. And then somewhere along the way, when I was about 26, I reached out to Zen Zen Zo Physical Theatre and I said, hey, I kind of want to get back into theatre. Mm. Can I come and do something? And they said, crazy, we're doing The Tempest, a remaking of The Tempest by Shakespeare. We're looking for an um, aerial. So I went and auditioned and then the theatre doors were back open. So I love that place where music and theatre collide. Yeah. And I always have, yeah. Mm. That's awesome. Mm. Um, you, I had a, I had a, a thing and I was like, I'm going to say this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. Is it gone? Because it, I have something I can It is say. gone. You say yours. Oh, it was I, relevant to what you were saying. Ah. <laughs> My mind It'll blank. come to you. It'll I love the mandolin in this this is real this really interesting really interesting sound uh, especially when paired with uh, the violin um i think they're they're really interesting against each other and um i think the way that you it's it's interesting that you are on the the different instruments Mm. because it's very it's very obvious that you give each one their moment in the song um, <laughs> I'm not sure whether that was part of your like. Let's put everything in. I need a mandolin solo. Mandolin I need some solo. strings. <laughs> it probably was. Oh my goodness, that's so interesting. You say that because on the way here, I was listening to Punch Brothers. Do you guys know Punch, the Punch Brothers? No. They're I don't so know. awesome. Like really, like almost country, um, jazz, classical, chamber music. Oh, it's just awesome. And there's a mandolin in there. I was thinking I need to get a mandolin and I need <laughs> to get back into it. So, um, so yeah, thank you for. Yeah, no, that. no problem. So <laughs> when you were, when you were writing the song, mm. was everything kind of set down or did you kind oh. of like, okay, so this is what it's going to be. And then when you have the instrument, you kind of, did you improvise at all or? <gasps> I, I can't remember the exact process, but 
I think what I would have done is uh, I think I would have written the song on piano mm. and had that part pretty set and then my lead vocal melody and all of the words would be set and then I would have probably gone away and made up all of the other parts and had them prepared for dad. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. I, I was wondering how, how that balanced with your dad's uh, yeah. <laughs> one take <laughs> policy. <laughs> oh, he was tough. Um, yeah, I think that's probably what I would have done. Um, whether or not I did that with, I'm sure there was a little bit of improvisation as well um, at the time because I would have just at that point, so I was 17, that year if I remember correctly, I would have auditioned for the con on Jazz Voice. Oh, no. Right. Yeah, no, I think I did. Yeah, yeah. So so I would have been experimenting a little bit with improvisation to get myself <laughs> ready. Yeah. <laughs> and so is that still your process now? You uh, write on piano or instead of guitar or? Well, I have just started learning the guitar again. Uh, <laughs> did, did you know that? I did oh, not know. I thought you'd be like researching me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just posted a little clip on Instagram today actually um, and it's so fun because I think I started on guitar then moved to piano and I was telling Alex earlier I just kind of stayed there mm. um, and I've always wanted to get back into guitar and I got a, a guitar teacher called Tim Gaze Um Recently I've had two lessons and I'm just loving it and I'm just finding it opens up the, I don't know, it's like a different palette of colours I think um, and gives you new information that sort of feeds the creative process. Yeah. So I'm loving that, yeah. Is that thing saying that like the, the physical limitations of each instrument makes you write different music on it? Yes, absolutely. So like, like yeah, doing the piano a, can go all the way down there. And oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And like even, you know, the amount of chords I know mm. and um, which is not a huge amount at this at this point, <laughs> I sort of make up things that sound good and try mm. different tunings, but like things like key changes are obviously more challenge, challenging to me on, um, on the guitar, whereas the piano yeah. I feel – just move your hands. That. You just move your hands <laughs> up front. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So it seems like you seem like someone who is unapologetically themselves and it seems like in Brisbane there aren't always the opportunities that you want and it seems like mm. you have just been making the opportunities that you want, you know, just kind of like I want to do this so I'm going to do it now or like I want to have a, a choir so I'm going to start this <laughs> choir, and, yeah. you know, which is a, a very – Cool trait. Um, Thank you. Uh, uh, which brings me to the thing of uh, do you feel, because I know that to get to a level where you can do whatever you want, some people feel like they have to write a certain kind of music or like kind yeah. of be more marketable. Do you yeah. feel like there's been a balance between uh, like trying to sound the way people want you to sound so you can get to a stage where you can make what you want? Or, or you know, have you, yeah, have you found I totally, that battle? That's such a good question. Um, you know, I think... You know, this this is where I started this crazy kind of theatrical um, sound that you hear in Universal Models. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, you know, along the way, like so many artists, I did get a little bit distracted by the intoxication of 
the radio and wanting to be on the radio yeah. and what that meant for my career and wanting to to play to bigger and bigger rooms. And for a time, I actually I remember chatting with one of my old producers and saying, yeah, I want this album to be like really triple J, sort of, you know, marketed towards that audience. And he just looked at me and said, yeah, I, I don't do that. Like I want to create the music that is yours and make you sound like you regardless of if it will end up on the radio. And I was like, yeah. thank you. I needed to hear that because it, it is really easy um, to to get a little bit sidetracked and to lose your sense of self. Mm. Um, and when you start trying to mimic what you're hearing. Oh, totally. And yeah. then you just become like everybody else. And it may mean that you get, uh, you know, on the Triple J Hottest 100 or or on B105 or whatever. It may yeah. mean those things, but are you artistically satisfied? Um, and, and it dates the sound as well. If yeah, you, if you do what's trending, yeah, then yeah. you're trapped in the time. I think for me... You know, I'm, I lived in New York for a little while in 2013 and when I, when I was over there, you know, and I was sort of striving to sort of to, to break it, you know, into a certain market and to get my music in front of more people and I thought I had to move away for those opportunities yeah. um, and I became very disconnected from myself and um, very isolated and very sad and that's when actually I started the choir. I decided to move back home and kind of I hit rock bottom and I realised that the most important thing for me in music is connection with myself with other humans um and so cheap trill my choir was born from that and I redefined what success meant to me mm. you know and what making it means and it's totally different for for everyone and some people you know do strive for those goals to have a number one hit or to be able to sell out the concert hall at QPAC or mm. or the you know the Tivoli and that's cool that's fine but those are not um, the goal posts for me that you know mine and also that that as a goal in itself is it yeah. is very different to the goal of making the music that you want to make oh yeah yeah a- and sometimes absolutely. they intersect absolutely and yeah. that's that's the beauty like sometimes and you know the artists that I love it's very clear that they are doing mm. the music that lights them up you know and and it just so happens that for whatever reason they've had some sort of lucky break or they've just worked really really hard and they've actually you know hit those goals as well which is brilliant and if that happens for me oh fantastic but it's it's it it doesn't mean that I'm that I failed you know if if I don't sort of so what's that what in your eyes would be the big differences between the scene here that you've mm. moved back to and the scene that you found in New York. And so yeah. um, was it just your reaction to the scene in New York or, or do you think that the scene in New York is inherently more commercial? Oh, actually, well, I find it really hard to compare the two the two places and, the, and because I was also a very different person at the time, I think, you know, I was I, I sort of, was entering a very well-established scene where the, the beauty of New York is that there are so many different pockets in the city um, where people of all different musical genres and niches fit. And that is just so amazing because the city is big enough. And um, so where I was 
playing a lot was actually on Off-Broadway and I was opening for a lot of the RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, acts. So Jinx Monsoon, um, I opened for her for a very, very long run of shows um, and and then also Courtney Act as well, who was on Eurovision last night hmm. um, or last night, well, I know this, yeah, uh, when we were a, a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, can, they can never know when you record. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, it, but, but it was weird living there at like as a, I don't know, I always felt a little bit like an outsider and I, I certainly didn't have enough money, like I had no money, you know, to sort of get out there and really be in the scene because yeah, you need yeah. a lot of money to yeah. survive in that city. It's really tough. Yeah. Whereas here, um, here the scene, well, to be completely honest, I'm not in a scene. <laughs> like I, I really don't feel like I'm in a scene and that's totally fine with yeah. me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you said, I think um, making my own yeah opportunities has been the way that I've survived really um, because I don't really fit in a box. Uh, so I just sort of have to make my own box. Um, I think I think also that it's very. I'm going. To, I I'm, I want to say refreshing, but like hopeful refreshing. I'm quite tired. Yeah, hopeful refreshing. That's cool. Um, to hear that mm. you are you are just making music for you, and you're like, if I get successful, that's cool. And that attitude seems to have garnered you like quite a lot of success, especially comparatively, mm. because I. I, as a musician myself, tend to try and write more like this is what I want to make and it's not yeah. exactly sticking to the wall all the time. And yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of nice to see that like you can just do what you want and if you keep at it, then eventually, you know, the audience will come to you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I also think like you have to diversify, like you just have to, you know, if you're getting into this industry thinking that you're actually going to mm make money or make a living from just solely your music, well, you're going to be pretty disappointed. We all sort of have to wear all these different hats. And it is, you know, it's hard. It's hard to like to do that and you do get a bit burnt out. Um, But if you're committed to it, then, yeah, it's totally achievable. It is. It really is. Yeah. Nice. Well, um, did you want to tell us what – the story behind Universal Models. You said that you were oh, you're going to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. So you know, I like I said, I had a really rough time in grade twelve. So I took a year off after school. I was so shy. I mean, like really shy. I found it very difficult to have conversations with people. Um, and except for when I was on stage, that's that's always been the case. Actually, it's always easy when you've got that yeah. fourth wall in front of you. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. It's so amazing how that happens. I felt more myself on stage than I did off stage. And um, so my plan for that year was to get as many jobs as I could. So I worked at a bakery. I worked at a sushi deli. I worked at a violin store. I I did a bunch of things. And one of those jobs was. I got the job of a secretary at a modelling agency, not called Universal Models, but something very similar to that. <laughs> and it was just like the most terrible week. I only lasted a week and I didn't get paid for any of my of my work. I was sort of being trained up. What? And, you know, we would do things like 
call people and tell them they had an audition for a big movie on the Gold Coast when we knew they absolutely didn't. But, you know, we'd say things like, uh, but, you know, you need to update your headshots and you need to have this extra Uh, call. And people would actually pay for – so this obviously sat terribly with me. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, funny story, I had been in the very same modelling agency on the other end of things when I was about 14 (laughs) Um, and – uh, but not uh, like as an as an actor, and I got the same call, and then nothing eventuated. Yeah. So I was kind of experiencing all of this, thinking, "Wait a second, this is exactly what happened to me." But also the 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 man who who ran the modelling agency would say things to me like, "You look weird." You need to change your hair color. Get rid of your nose stud. You need to put a clear one in. You need to lose weight. So and so, who was the other the other secretary, is on a tuna diet that I put her on, and it's working. She's lost, you know, this amount. She was teeny weeny weeny, like, and I just it was just atrocious. Yeah. Um, and every morning I'd just wake up in a panic, thinking, just feeling horrible about who I was, and wondering how on earth I'd get through the day, um, with this sort of this sort of pressure and this sort of nonsense going on. Later I we ended up complaining about it because it got so bad and and I found out that he was actually being sued at that particular time for a couple of different things. Um, so my way, I guess, and always my, my way has been, you know, um, writing music about my experiences as a form of therapy. But you can hear in that song how angsty I am. Like there's some line I was laughing at it when we were listening to it. I can't even remember. It's like, like I want to break you so badly or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I was really upset by the whole thing. But um, and I'm sure similar things probably still go on to this very day. I know they do. Yeah, well, that, you, you you hear the stories, but uh, I guess you, you very rarely hear them firsthand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really was, sorry to hear to go through that. It's horrible. Oh, that, I mean, luckily it was only a week and luckily I was sort of strong enough to listen to my intuition that, mm. hey, this is actually not very good. This is pretty bad what's happening here. And and aware t- enough as a 17-year-old. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. Um, So I was very, very lucky, but... The, yeah, I felt I really felt for some of the other people working there, and also the clients. Yeah, mm. are they still running the like business? That's a very good. I, I, you know, in the years that came, I saw this man's name pop up um, in the paper. You know, now and then over controversial matters, yeah. uh, but. I'm, I'm not sure if they are running. They changed their ni- name numerous times. So when I was a client of theirs, it was a different right. name. Yeah. Yes. So it was interesting. Mm. You named new agency. Yeah. People. Well, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hate that. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a bit gross, but yeah. yes. <laughs> so when you write songs now, is it still, uh, is still that form of therapy or do you yeah. more uh, like, concept stuff that you want to write a song about? I think it's a little bit of both. I think most of my songs are written from that from that perspective. Um, you know, I've gone through something and I need to, I guess, make sense of it. Um, but I was a member of the I Heart Songwriting Club for a while and mm. that was really great to sort of shake things up 
because you're given a topic to write about every right. week. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, and these topics are so random, like jeans or um, white noise and you have to put on like a track of white noise and kind of be inspired by that. Things that I would never think of doing um, and that helped to, yeah, to get me thinking, I guess, outside of myself um, and creating in a different way. So, so yeah, I try to mix it up a little bit these days. Yeah, yeah cool. Mm. <laughs> um, I was going to ask who who your influences musically because mm. there's a lot going on in yeah. this song at the very least, and oh. with your with your current music. And this is so interesting that you ask this because I'm thinking back to when I was 17 and who I was listening to, and it was kind of before the before I really delved into um, the world of say Fiona Apple or Tori Amos. Um, so I'm not really sure where I was getting my theatrical influences from. I know I listen to a lot of classical music and um, so you can probably hear a bit of that in the harmony. Um, and I loved, loved the cause because, you know, <laughs> like violin, I, I loved. And, I mean, brilliant, brilliant pop songs and brilliant harmony, brilliant singers um I loved the Beatles like just and John Farnham I had a John Farnham tape and a Roxette tape loved Roxette they're a bit theatrical <laughs> as well they are a bit yeah more, more than a little bit I would say uh, yeah yeah I used to have I used to cut all of my dolls hair <laughs> to look like the lead singer of Roxette nice. what is her name is it Roxette no it's not Roxette. it's not I, I cannot remember cursory goog mid-podcast <laughs> <laughs> did, <Goo. laughs> did, you, did you ever get into Amanda Palmer? Oh, sorry. Yes. Oh, yes. I've I've played with Amanda Palmer. That's um, awesome. <laughs> she is fantastic, and that sort of came a bit later for me. Yes. Mm. So sorry, my. Yeah, she's very much you know one of my my influences um, in my later years, and the Dresden Dolls in particular. Mm. I just absolutely adored um, Tori Amos, Fiona Apple, mm. Queen. Placebo, um, Punch Brothers at the moment. Oh my God, there's so many, so many people. Laurie Anderson. Laurie Anderson. Why do I, I, I don't think I've listened. I I grew up listening to Tori Amos and Laurie Anderson oh. kind of replaceably with each other. So whenever anyone says Tori Amos, I always think Laurie Anderson. That's so And she does very kind of theatrical, experimental, singer, songwriter, solo, female voice stuff. Okay, I need so. to. I need. Oh, I feel like someone has actually told me you need to listen to. Lo- I think you should. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the le- the the singer of Roxette is Marie Fredrickson. Marie, love your work. Love your hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing she listens to the show. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, I've noticed so that it seems to be that musicians seem to meet like a, a fork in the road when it comes to their music, yes. and. I've noticed that for some reason the successful. Um, uh, it seems that you can either, because most musicians seem to have like troubles in their life. Mm-hmm. I've n- I've never really heard a musician that's just like things are great, just, and I read songs about things being great. How can most people do though? Mm, yeah, I just reckon. We, oh, true. We <laughs> yeah. just sing about it. <laughs> Humans. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it seems like some people, like yeah. Freddie Mercury, take these bad feelings and make them like empowerment and like yeah. there is po- positivity and goodness. Yeah. And then some people are just like, 
they kind of sit in it and be like, you know, you're not alone with these feelings. Right. And it seems like you, you've kind of gone the the empowering route and like with connecting with, with people. Um, yeah. Do you feel like there was a time where you kind of had that like turnaround, like this is what I'm going to do? Or was that just kind of always who you were? Um, I think, I think I do recall one conversation with a beautiful woman called Angie White who um, has made my some of my costumes on and off for many, many years and she did say to me at one point, your songs are all sad. Do you think you might want to kind of inject a bit of hope in, in there? Or so, it, it, Those were not her words but it was basically that was the gist of the conversation. I suddenly went, oh. Mm. And um, I don't know if that was a, a, the catalyst but it's certainly something that – stuck with me but I remember so in 2017 I went to Japan and I remember sitting on a balcony in Tokyo with my friend Katie who's in my show actually the Broken Romantics and um, we were talking about creating this show and we because we were in Japan we were thinking about Kintsugi which is when um you get, you know, broken pottery and you sort of fill it with lacquer oh, yeah. mixed with gold and silver so you, like the, the cracks are sort of highlighted essentially. And that to me became sort of the inspiration for the next body of work which became my EP, Broken Romantics, A Vicious Song, uh, song Cycle and the show. So it's the idea of, you know... <sighs> creating something beautiful from something broken yeah. and that it can be done um, and and that's, I guess, how I personally make sense of the really hard times in my life yeah. um, by trying to, to turn them into something, um, yeah, something beautiful. Mm. I think that's a really good approach to take. Yeah, I think it's kind of the only approach that I can take because I, you know, I, I could very easily spiral into the, a dark place. Yeah. Mm. So in order for me to stay afloat, I just have to. Yeah. Do you do you find this will be the last time I make it about me? <laughs> um, no, I, this is good. It's conversation. It's awesome. Because I've been I've been writing music for a while, and mm. I've kind of just I've got one two more albums I need to just get out because I'm writing music faster than I can afford to make it. But I, I just had a moment where I was like, what, what, what is all this sad, who is this sad boy music for? You know, like I'm putting out all these bad vibes, you know, and I'm kind of at a point now where I'm like, people are listening to me. What am I saying? You know, because mm. before I was like, I'm writing music because it's for me. And then it was kind of like, you know, what do I want people to hear me saying? Did you, because yeah. you seem to have been like at a bit more of a point of like people listening for longer was, yeah. Did, did you kind of have that sort of thing? Well, you know, I, I, I don't know if I've consciously thought about, um, about it in that way, um, but I do know that for me as a listener, mm. some of the saddest songs, even though they're, they're dark, have been a great comfort mm. for me. So even though the songs might not be saying, hey, I'm sad but it's okay, keep yeah. going, even if they're actually just kind of wallowing in sadness. Mm. For me as a listener, it, yeah, it's been like a warm hug. Yeah, I mean so, it switches on that commiseration yeah, in yeah, your brain so yeah. you, you can like 
I'm not the only person yes. feeling this You're way. You're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. And that's so, I don't, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I reckon. I've also got what was your pathway to success, but that's such a big question. <laughs> but I do have. I think we've kind of covered that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, well, that's, yeah, that's and what chat. is success? And that's true. Yeah, well, redefining what success exactly. means is how you get it. Because <laughs> a lot of people would look at me and think that I, w- I am not successful and that's <sighs> that's fine, but. Boo them. The choir has <laughs> been has been my greatest success, I think. Yeah. What do you wish you had known at the start of your journey? Um, oh, that, what do I wish? Okay. Hmm. That, um, I want to say that hard work and, you know, talent doesn't always equate fame and fortune. In fact, it, you know, in, it, cause in my, in my teenage years and early twenties, you know, I, I had that very blind kind of quite shallow dream and um and it took me a while to shake that off um and i also think knowing that admin plays a very large part of being a musician and to be to be organized and to um yeah to be on top of all that i think i had absolutely no idea when i was younger that it's essentially running a business you know mm. Um, but that's all stuff that, you know, has come over the years and you learn on the job. Yeah. But also just not to like, not to pin, you know, success and everything on what everybody else thinks to find that within yourself. That's probably the biggest one. Yeah. Well, I think that feels like a a good place to wrap it. A hopeful place. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, is there anything that you'd like to, to plug like the. Have you got any things coming up or? Um, well, if you are, listen, do you have any listeners in Ireland? We do. We actually do. Oh, my How many do gosh. we have? I don't know how many. I can only give you percentages. I know that we have at least between 6 to 9% of our audience well, is in Ireland. There you go. Okay, well, that's <laughs> awesome. If you are in Cork, uh, my choir that I've talked about, Cheap Trill, or at least 30 members of the choir, um, are travelling to Cork uh, to do the International Choral Festival. So keep awesome. an eye out for Cheap Trill, C-H-E-E-P-T-R-I-L-L. Um, and that's happening April, May. And also if you're in Melbourne, uh, we I can't release the details just yet, but we're bringing the show Broken Romantics to Melbourne um, in June-ish. So well, hopefully. Yeah. You have you have a website and some socials that we can link yeah. to? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Emmadine.com is the website. Excellent. Yeah. We'll have all that in our show notes as well. Well, hey, thanks so much. You oh, too. thank you for coming on. Pleasure. No problem. Uh, is there anything you want to do to introduce this next song? Oh, well, this is uh, this is the theme song really. Oh, it's sort of become the theme song for um, – or the show Broken Romantics, A Unicorn's Quest for Love, and it's called Broken Romantics Unite. And actually, can I just say that my brother produced this oh, nice. song, um, the brother who also featured on drums in the earlier song. So he's awesome. become an awesome producer, Tony Dean. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. 
Do you enjoy video games? Have heard of video games or perhaps exist in a world where video games also exist? Then we have the podcast for you. Cutscene Saga is the new podcast from That's Not Canon Productions. We focus on the stories and the best bits of all video games, old and new, and discuss them with fans and our regular host, Joe Diskett. So get on to thatsnotcanon.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcatching app to find Cutscene Saga, the new video game podcast for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 